Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where myself, Josh Heron, Christopher Munden, and John Rosenberg read through every Pulitzer Prize winning play and or musical <laughs> since 1918, so you don't have to, or so perhaps you'll join us along and read along with us, or in today's case, listen. Um, this week, I am so excited. It is 1933, 32, and we are <laughs> talking about the very first musical that's ever won a Pulitzer. Whoa, 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 whoa! Whoa, 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 whoa! That's right. Much to Christopher Munden's extreme delight um, as a lover as of all things Broadway, we are talking about 1933's political satire musical romantic comedy. <laughs> the first introductions. My name is Josh Heron. I am a summer break teacher and a musical theater enthusiast <laughs> for the last 20 years. At least. Christopher Munden is, contrary to what I just said, a musical theater um, hater and a brigantine beachgoer. <laughs> yes, that's right. And we're also joined by musical agnostic John Rosenberg. You know, the first time I ever realized I was going to die was in a musical. Which one? Were you in the musical or no. you were watching a musical? It was 42nd Street. When the dude gets shot on stage, I realized I was going to die and I freaked out. Huh. I, whenever I think of the town Allentown, I think of 42nd Street because early in the show she goes, Don't worry about me, Mr. Marsh. I learned all about boys in Allentown. <laughs> um, <laughs> So this week we are talking about A V I Sing, which is a musical written by George S. Kaufman and the Gershwins and Maury Reiskind also helped with the book. And does someone want to, the plot isn't super complicated. Someone want to give it a quick- It's really slight. What is the president's name again? Is it Winterburn? Wintergreen. 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 So, Wintergreen's running for president. Wintergreen for president, it starts off as. And the, uh, his advisors think they need something that people will like that will appeal to the masses, and they decide on love. So they decide to hold a contest to find the prettiest lady from every state, and the winner of that contest will marry Wintergreen, and and during that contest, Wintergreen's like, I don't want to marry uh, the winner, Diana Devereaux. I want to marry, like, one of his advisors or something, Mary Turner. Mm-hmm. And so he wins the election on this campaign of love. And the inauguration is both the inauguration and the marriage ceremony. But Diana Devereaux is upset and she gets the support of the French ambassador. Because she is the illegitimate daughter of the illegitimate son of an illegitimate nephew. Of Napoleon, as the rhyme goes. Yeah, I I like that joke in that rhyme. And so Wintergreen is impeached for that, and he's about to be found guilty when he's saved because Mary Turner is 
pregnant, and so you can't uh, impeach a expectant father. And then, how does it end? <laughs> um, oh, the Constitution says that if, in any case, the president cannot perform his duty, the vice president will fill it. There's a really, I think this, what well, we talk about it. The vice president, um, throttle bottom. Alexander mm-hmm. throttle bottom. Um, because the president cannot fulfill his duties of marrying Diana Devereaux, Alexander throttle bottom must. Um, the vice president, who's vice president. who everyone always forgets. That's a running joke in it, isn't it? The, about forgetting who the vice president is. And no one wants to be vice president. So the plot is kind of dumb. I mean, I think the plot, is, I don't think the plot's the problem here. Um, <laughs> Although it is a problem. I mean, I have to say, this is a kind of dumb play, but I, I enjoyed it. So for me, this is fascinating in that, um, and I think something that I'm gonna really relish is that the Pulitzers have awarded, I think about 10 Pulitzers to musicals. It ends up being about, starting in the 30s, one a decade. And but more you know, now. No, it's still about, I mean, a little bit more now, but um, I guess there's been three since 2010. And uh, I did read, um, like when I was looking for the play, I came across best plays of 1931-32. There's, there's a serial they did the best plays every year. They excerpt the plays. And in the intro to this play, it was apparently, it was somewhat controversial that the musical was winning the Pulitzer, but it was kind of agreed that it was such a good satire. So it deserved it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is what, so as we say, I think it really traces the art form of the musical, I mean, you know, not perfectly, but I think because you get like one a decade, you sort of just, and the ones they have are sort of these like nice, I think very representational pictures of how the musical as an art form is growing. Think about like before this, you know, I think that we have a very like, this sort of fits with our conception of what a musical is and doesn't challenge it and doesn't sort of, I think of it as sort of stupid, but I think of like, the American musical, this is sort of early stuff of that the American musical could handle any substance. And whether or not there's a lot of substance here, I think there actually is some like, I think the satire is sort of, I think sort of funny and I think holds up actually. Um, yeah, to an extent. Like, I don't think that, like, I think musicals were really seen and it talks about the forward a little bit as like, there are sort of like couple formulas that you did and the songs weren't really related to the plot. And I don't think the songs here like move the plot forward really in a way that we're not going to see. Well, the entire second act is kind of in song. Yeah, but it's not the same way of like, I mean, that's like Gilbert and Sullivan. It's not the same thing as like a song reveals like interiority or like adds something. Like I think the the songs move the plot along here very literally. Like before it would be like, uh, like, you know, the sailor would come on and he would say like, he's a sailor and there'd be a sailor song and then they'd go off and then the, girls would come on and they'd be like, oh, we're girls, we're pretty, you know, and then there'd be, a, it's just like, it would be sort of these like excuses to put on these production numbers. Is that what Gilbert and Sullivan are like? I don't know Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, I'm talking that's about- That's be- before this, right? Yeah, that's operetta. That's like late 1800s, early 1900s. That's, they're not really musicals. No, I mean, I think the American musical theater really takes like that and takes like minstrel shows and vaudeville I was seeing, yeah, vaudeville, and and it sounded to me like British music hall, which is yeah. which is kind of like vaudeville, right? Yeah, it's all in the DNA. 
Um, so Josh, Josh, sorry. Might I ask what is kind of considered the first like tentpole American musical then? Oklahoma. Which this predates. Later. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, so, so I'm sorry, what kind of came before this then in terms of musicals? I would say that this is really like you wouldn't hear them. They're really stupid. Like, I think the strike up the band is talked about in the there's a the Gershwin stuff. Like I don't uh-huh. think that like we wouldn't recognize them as musicals today. They're right. really like there's not a lot of there there. So can I, I mean ask, how long, you imply how, yes. how long had the form kind of been like how long had the musical been not in existence long. by like nineteen thirty two then? Oh, like maybe ten years. I don't even think I, Okay. I think this is Well like it depends it depends what you mean by that, right? right? Like yeah. I think that like I think there would have been like follies, right? There would have been like vaudeville, there would have been like I think it sort of was like musicals were like, let's take a follies and put a story on it. Right. So let's like put a story and in between the story we'll have musical numbers that will like have chorus girls and have some cool dancing and maybe we can put some songs in. Right. But but you know, I will say reading this, I I've seen this before. Like it felt very familiar. Like I don't know if it's like the form or what. I felt yeah, like I, I agree. I mean, I don't I'm not as you say, I really don't care all that much for musicals but like it it felt it felt like a musical to me like you say the the songs moved this plot along as much as i my impression of how musicals are now and the the comedy was as broad as my impression of how musical comedy is so to me i mean i quite enjoyed it but it like it didn't it certainly didn't seem not a musical to me. Interesting. Well, I think that as we explore the depth and the beauty and complexity of the American musical, um, that you will have a chance to refine that uh, opinion. Yeah, I, uh, thought, I thought that I thought this thing was really great, actually. So I think the book is really funny. I think that. Yeah. Like, I, I. I mean, I, it's very broad in its humor, but it is funny. Like I. I, I oh. Sorry. No, 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 please, please. I, I sort of think you cut the songs and it becomes better. Um, like, I don't really, like, I don't think the songs add much for me. I don't think this is, like, something that is, like, a great musical. I think it's a, I think it's a funny satire. Some um, of the lyrics are funny, too, though, like the one you mentioned in the introduction. And the yeah. Yeah, maybe there's that. I just think that, like, for me, it feels like there is a very big disconnect between... Like even stylistically, like I think the book is like very sticky and has these like funny like it has these repeated jokes that come on all the time, and those uh-huh. jokes don't make themselves into the song in the same way. Like they feel like they're in different worlds. Like I don't feel like the songs have the zaniness of the book. They do. I mean, as I, the, the entire second act is kind of song, and that is pretty zany. The Supreme Court scene, the. The French ambassador, a lot of that is sung, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's almost all sung, you're right. So the things I really enjoyed, and I mentioned this before, is I really enjoyed the um, recurring gag of the vice president, who is sort of um, this thrown away figure who like doesn't want to do it, like has no real job. At one point is literally asked to hide in a cave. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you doing out of your cave? That they like, it's, it was interesting to see that, like, I feel like so much has been made of the Trump presidency turning the presidency into a reality show. 
Hmm. And whether or not that had, had actually happened in other times, it is in some ways interesting to see that the anxiety of that, of like a very hollow American, like of the hollowness of American politics um, has been a preoccupation. For uh, I mean, I th- yeah, has been a preoccupation for a while, you're going to say. I think maybe like the the utter seriousness of the American presidency is is somewhat a post-war phenomenon that like mm. that that maybe people in the 19th century you think of like um political you know the, the all the political corruption in American cities back at this time and and the political cartoons and the craziness of those pre-television elections like Maybe in a way like post-war American politics is the exception rather than the rule. No, I I actually disagree because I thought there was something so uh, intelligent about the idea of how are they going to sell this presidency because it's really no different than every successful one because I feel like every successful presidency, you could point out what the theme was. You know, Every successful campaign or... Yeah, but I think you're you're agreeing though because I think what you're imagining and I could be wrong but I think you're imagining post-World War II campaigns like when you're thinking of the presidency you're thinking of like a post-FDR like I don't think you're thinking of like Chester A. Arthur's campaign well that's probably only because I'm not that familiar with it do you know what I mean but I there I feel like there's always been a public consciousness there's always been like a, a public culture that they kind of like either create or manipulate or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, For sure. But yeah, I I feel like, I felt like this was like a very interesting look at Americana and like the hollowness of it, but also the, I just, I I thought it was very interesting, like their position regarding it. Uh, A different point. I think there's something interesting about some a work that is so cynical and yet so um, buoyant. <laughs> like Yeah, like, it's it's a strange mix. It yeah, like it's like it's presenting this like very happy, very energetic, <laughs> manic cartoon. Um, with the me- underlying message being a deeply cynical one about the American people. E- yes. I was so I was thinking about it's very cynical in a way of like um, politics is you know the Senate is made fun of the the presidential process is made fun of like um, it's not clear what political party the candidate is it's basically like making fun of uh, of both parties I guess in a way and this is coming in what are we nineteen thirty two awards for like 1931 or 1930 right which is the is in like the very depths of the very beginning of the great depression and the next campaign is going to be hoover who has um done very little in um for real um for like uh normal people, regular people, but done very little to treat it against FDR, who has a very radical um, agenda that he's proposing even in his campaign. And so to me, it was a little like, 
you know, it's very cynical about the political process, but it, it doesn't pay any attention to the real issues of its time. And it seemed, seemed to me a bit like, you know, the, the 2000 election or the 2016 presidential elections, people talking about, like, it doesn't matter who you vote for, both both parties are the same, it's all ridiculous. And there were real things at stake in those elections, and there was a, real, there was a lot at stake in the 1932 presidential election. Right, if you're saying that this is happening during the Depression, and there's like, at some point there's a joke about it, about it's a, the Depression. It's an offhand joke. It's like the senators, you think you're in a Depression now, wait till right. we act, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I was then wondering, like, who is going to watch this musical? And, like, yeah. you know, who, I think who's that's in the audience? Question. Like, right. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating, yeah. I think that everything about this is fascinating. We've been having that conversation offline about um, who, who is theater made for and by whom. Or, mm-hmm. You know, and I think that this is, that's interesting. Like, we are probably seeing, like, bourgeois. Um, theater makers, bourgeois audiences. Um, I wish I, I would like. I would love to find a cultural history of that, though. But I'm not totally sure if, like, like if the audiences then were. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I would, I would think it would be a mistake to assume that because theater is sort of a like a bourgeois art form now, I that it, it was then. I mean, I think. I mean, ticket. It like, was more business was totally different. Yeah, but I think, true. but I think it is interesting, like what this is presenting to an audience in 1932. You know, like that weird mix of like idealism and cynicism at the same time. Yeah, and, like we're all point. in on the joke. Yeah, I mean, it's a Marx Brothers movie, right? Like, it's like, yeah. I think the love story is like self-referentially like stupid. So I, I know the person's name, but George S. Kaufman, what else did he do? Well, read yeah. a little bit. He wrote, um, he wrote, uh, um, you can't take it with you. Can't, yeah, you can't take it with And then he um, wrote um, a play that we're not going to read called, um, I'm sure he wrote lots of other stuff, but Merrily We Roll Along, which um, oh, yeah, I yeah. know as it was adapted into a, a guys and dolls. No, uh, <laughs> called, called Merely Roll Along. Um, oh. I love very much, but also did not win a Pulitzer. Um, but we'll um, read another. Um, he's a good. He's a good. I think a, a comedic dramatist. He's also a, another member. We've talked about Elmer Rice, and I forget who the other one. He he was a member of the Algonquin Roundtable too. Oh, good. But so the Pulitzer this year did not give George Gershwin the Pulitzer for the music, but he did give it to Ira for the lyrics and um, George Kaufman and... What else did the Gershwins do? Oh, a ton. Porgy and Bess, famously. American in Paris, which is a, a, mu- a movie musical. A movie, right. I mean, there are also the types that, like, that our music gets like condensed into like other musicals a lot. So mm. Crazy For You, Funny Face, Strike Up The Band, Girl Crazy, which then that's what got turned into Crazy For You, um, Me and My Girl, 
is a again a new musical. Yeah, they're like Rhapsody in Blue. They're like Tin Pan Alley dudes. Yeah, right. And George George Kaufman was like a super prolific playwright too, wasn't he? Yes. This oh, is the first did. collaboration we've read, but I think there were a lot more play collaborations and obviously musicals are collaborative back then. Yeah, and he, I mean, uh, in the play he won for in 1937, he wrote with Moss Hart. Um, right. I mean, I saw that reading about some of the other playwrights. We've read that they also collaborated with other playwrights. I think we're seeing like, you know, in the same way, it's generally not one screenwriter for a movie anymore, like Broadway, you know, collaborative process then, in the same way that musicals are still. Who would you be? Are we there yet? Yeah, I would be, I mean, I wanted to have the last name Throttlebottom. It's <laughs> a, a great name. Like my grinder profile. Um, <laughs> oh, I want to be Diana Devereaux. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's me. John. I, I, oh. oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who I am in this, but I do feel like, uh, I feel like the play was good. And like, I think we were kind of glossing over like, because it is kind do, of silly and all that. Do you I, think I, it was good? How was I, it good? I thought it was written, it was written really, really well. Like, it's written tightly, but it's like a good sitcom. I think, but I think if jokes land off a page, I think if yeah. jokes land off a page, period, it's a success. If jokes yeah. land off a page from 90 years ago. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the and, thing, and they that's do. The thing that do. really stunned me is like, it starts so tight and it doesn't let up. Like even like, though. Yeah. It's funny. It's easy to read. It's funny. I mean, I would say, I think probably like the Oscars are never given to comedies Generally, we're not going to read many Pulitzer Prize winning comedies. Uh, the first one we read was a comedy, right? And arguably some were comedic, but this is... Um, this is zany. This is a zany comedy. It's like Mel Brooks zany. Yeah, but, yeah. but, but I think I, I do want to just like point to the fact that like you could, you could say whatever about like the subject matter. Like it's written really, really well. And like... It's like kitchen sink jokes. And mostly like the one about the vice president, it keeps coming back and it never got stale. No, I, uh, I, I think that's yeah, the I thing. I mean, it's a bit of And I think that- Selling Roald Island. I, but I don't, what? I think to have a, like, like, think about how dated, like the, even the comedic moments of other plays were. Like we've seen, like, I don't think, I think mm -hmm. what's amazing is how, um, maybe not universal in like, this is a very American story, but like, I yeah. do think refashion this. No, I think it would work in 2020. Dude, I mean, if yeah. you did the, if you did this with like the Looney Tunes characters, it would be incredible. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you didn't try to like base it in reality, but like went all the way with the cartoon shit, it'd be hilarious. I mean, I think you could even no. do a very cartoonish production that's like in modern dress with like Atlantic right. City and like, like I think yeah, because like, yeah. no, when I was reading this, this, I was like, I was like, I've seen this before. I've seen like super snappy, tight, funny shit that like doesn't give a fuck if I think it's funny or not. Like, uh -huh. yeah, 
I think I would be, I mean, if it was, if it was a contemporary play with like music of contemporary times, it was just as bad as the music in this lyrics that were just as dumb and jokes that were just as broad now. Now, but hold I, on. But I think you go, I would kind of hate you this. Go, you go from the first scene, which is like the, the senators talking about, you know, the fix is in, we're going to do this this way, this way, to cut to like a contest in Atlantic City to find the first lady. Like that's good. Yeah, it's, I I guess so. I mean it's, it's yeah. good and it's done cleanly. It's done really well, but like I don't know. And like I Diana watch... Devereaux, I mean <laughs> it's a great name. I think Chris, Chris no... like I think you're just gonna like you're gonna like, <laughs> no. like what's interesting too is like and I guess I like I know a little bit about what's coming forward, at least in musicals, is like the tradition like the like connection between this and then Three musicals from now in the '60s, we get "How to Succeed in Business" that really trying, which and, I started. Um, and that has a lot of, I think, the, I think they will have a lot of parallel um, conversations. I'm hoping maybe if I'm really tech savvy by then, we can do a little like flashback to uh, <laughs> right now, um, talking about it. But um, you know, next April. But, or something. but I do um, feel like this show is the first one I've read where I could see it in my head and I was like, I had a great time at the theater. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like the same thing with Jersey Boys when I saw it with my dad. Oh, Jesus. Great time at the theater. I had a great time. I'm actually amazed that it hasn't been revived. I am too, that it, it wasn't was revived done... in like 2012 or in a presidential year. This would be a great present. I could see uh, it at Walnut it was... Street. Oh. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was done. Oh, yeah. Center City Encores did it in 2007 with Victor Garber, um, which sounds uh, lovely. Um, and then it was done on TV in the 70s, apparently. Um, it never made a movie. There was a revival in the 50s. I, like, I just can't, like, I think this would even be, like, a good, like, it'd be a good quintessence show. It'd be a good... They did it at the oh. Paper Mill Playhouse in 2004 in New Jersey. Huh. Yeah, I would love Yeah, that. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of theater, Hedro could do this. I think, what's that company in Philly that does musicals every year? 11th Hour. 11th Hour, they could do a reading that would be great, I think. They don't do, they stay away from sort of old canon. Oh, well, this is old enough that it would be new. Yeah. I mean, I was even saying that, like, uh, oh, I never said her name right. Idiotogotic, ridiculous. Idiopathic, yeah. Yeah. IOC. I think this, um, like, this, has, this has a strain of the absurd in it. It's absurd, absurd enough that they could do it. They don't really do musicals, but it would be a good departure for sure. Yeah. So we named a lot of companies so, of of very companies that it would fit. Do this play um, in quarantine, in the round at <laughs> Wilma's Globe. Uh, <laughs> Wilma, Wilma could not do it. Wilma could do it. Um, I should also say that um, this might be the only Pulitzer Prize winning play with a sequel. Um, uh, it didn't do very well, but there was a sequel, Let Them Eat Cake, in which um, the- Wintergreen goes full maxi. The Wintergreen throttle bottom ticket loses. And they 
form an insurgent fascist government. Um, I think it was done in like 34 and the Wikipedia page, let me find his exact quote because it was really funny. The tone of the case was much darker and the issues more complex. President Wintergreen is defeated for re-election and he and his former vice president, Alexander Throttlebottom, form an, form an incipient fascist movement to take over the government. <laughs> uh, Successfully. That could be done too nowadays, really, couldn't it? Um, oh, the show carried a message that audiences did not want to hear. <laughs> Hell, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, and they just weren't ready. Like... Um, like the Supreme Court is like shackled and like, and people are like hung and I don't know. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, it's like it's great. I don't know, but I feel like this could have a good moment now. I feel like we're ready for the darkness of American musicals and the darkness of the presidency. And it was like music by the Gershwins as well. Yeah, same people, the same same same, team. Team, same actors. Wow. Um. Because I think, like, of the A-Sing ran for, like, 440 performances, which is, like, I think by those standards, like. I mean, that would still be a good run, wouldn't it? Like a year. I mean, I think right now on Broadway, you can't, like, make Like, you need, like, you're sort of like a wicket or you're nothing. Like, you want to run oh. for five years, you know? Five years. Well, I don't know. I so I wonder. I wonder if they like made compromises with of the I sing, and then they won and thought that they could <laughs> tell tell like the true story they want to tell, <laughs> and everyone was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" What would your dream production of this be, Chris? Do, do I have one? Uh, yeah, I mean. It's funny. You'd need some good comedic actors. Um, I would want it done, done big. I guess. I think it would work as a um, a stage reading, though. I'd, I would see a stage reading. Um, I think from some of the songs I listened to the. The female parts have quite a bit of range that you can give them, so I think there is uh, there is room there for some good singers. Um, yeah, and you and update the backing some. I think, I mean, as we said, I think like there's a range of different theaters who could do this and do this well. I like your idea of of um, an absurdist troupe doing it. With the sequel in red. With the sequel, well, maybe uh, successive seasons. Fine, I want it at the same time. I want to be able to have like a, I want, I want like a all day of it. Yeah, that's not my dream production. <laughs> uh, maybe like eighteen. We didn't mention eighteen twelve productions for these comedy troupe. They they could probably pull it off, right? And maybe that would be best, like a comedy. It is comedic, probably first and foremost. What would your dream production be, Josh? I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a lot of artistic interpretation here. 
I mean, I think it could work. In, I think you could, I don't even think you'd have to change the music and I think it could work in a contemporary setting. I don't know if that like gives that much to it. I think it sort of is like neat. That, like, I think it speaks by its for itself that the anxieties are still there in the thirties. And I, I sort of don't think you need to like move it forward for it to be clear that it's still to us today. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I mean, there's not a lot that specifically dates it really. No, but I think it's just whether you want to make it a period piece or not. Uh, like in costume, it's in like in the costume. in the mise en scene. Um, um, what do you think, John? Looney Tunes. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I idea. don't. What do you mean by that? So in America, there's these things called cartoons. There's okay. a rabbit named Bugs Bunny. So would Bugs Bunny be Winter Green? I don't know. I don't know how the cast would break down. No, I don't know. Maybe but some of the maybe some of the lesser uh, the lesser characters could have. Yeah, yeah. I'm not certain, but I'd like to just turn this over to uh, cartoon characters to to do it. Huh. Okay. And have one live action human and have it be you, Christopher. Have it be me. <laughs> right. As Wintergreen. I think I could play Wintergreen among cartoons. I think if you smoked a bunch of PCP, you could be in a you could be in a musical. I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> um, all right. Next week, we are, <laughs> we are reading a play, which I can't find a lot about. Um, so it's called On Both Your Houses, which I'm guessing is a reference to a line from William Juliet uh, yeah. by Maxwell Anderson, um, who wrote a lot of stuff, um, including Key Largo. Um, you wrote Key Largo? Yeah. Huh. Um, so what do you think happens at the end of... Oh, wait. Um, what were our predictions? What was our prediction? Do we... I, can't, I can't remember the prediction. Oh, okay. We'll just do it for the next week. And um, oh. I think... you want us to go back and listen to the predictions? I think I said that um, they would lose with the campaign of love. Oh, they won. Yeah. I think I maybe thought he was going to get me too. <laughs> yeah. Which is possibly the case. So both your houses, I think that it is going to be about rival theater companies putting on Juliet, <laughs> and they both get the Spanish flu of 1918. <laughs> no and, chance. And they're trying to like fill a theater with like the different actors that like. <laughs> it's going to be a love story. We don't know anything about it. You can find us in the offices. I don't know. I couldn't find anything. I mean, I uh, like on the Wikipedia page. I mean, maybe it's just going to be a poor man's Romeo and Juliet. Ha, 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 ha.
What do you think, John? Uh, in my head, I just keep seeing those big, like, exterminator tents that they put on houses, you know, when they have to, like, flea bomb them. Hmm. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a play about flea bombing houses. Well, who knows who will be correct? <laughs> um, You'll have to listen next week. All right. Um, we will find out then. All right. Say goodbye, folks. Goodbye, folks. Bye, folks. It's no matter, darling, where you are, I think of you. Not a day. Day.